This podcast features depictions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. And I had the barrel in my mouth and I had my toe in the trigger. And I was going to blow my head off. They weren't falling down. They weren't staying down when I was shooting them. And I flashed back and thought I was in Vietnam. Hi, I'm Brad Hunt with The Observer Reporter. In this podcast, we will talk with Raymond Corcoran about his struggle with post-traumatic stress disorder after fighting in Vietnam as a Marine. Ray enlisted in 1965 and was sent to Vietnam on Memorial Day of that year. A year later, he returned home, also on Memorial Day, still wearing his uniform that was covered in dirt, sweat, and blood. So, we were all partying, you know, just having a good-ass time, can't wait. And then we seen the United States, you know, as we was coming into land. Man, your heart's going a thousand miles an hour, you know. And as we circled the airfield, we seen this big crowd of people uh, out by the gate. And we thought, oh, this is a celebration. They're going to welcome us home. They did. They welcomed us home. But they were kids from Berkeley. <laughs> they threw at us, spit on us, uh, had makeshift toy guns with bayonets with babies stuck on the end, uh, signs saying that we were baby killers and like that. So we got in cabs, they charged us $26 a person to drive us like maybe four miles from El Toro to Lax, uh, Los Angeles airfield. And then we went from there to our returning duty station. First thing I did was got rid of the uniform. <laughs> you know, I got some civilian damn clothes and wouldn't cut my hair no more. After he returned home, Ray finished six more months of active duty by training new recruits. He was part of mock ambushes to teach the new soldiers how to react in certain situations. They weren't falling down. They weren't staying down when I was shooting them. And I flashed back and thought I was in Vietnam. So I grabbed a rifle and started beating these poor kids to the ground with a rifle. And my whole team jumped on me. And they're like, what the f wrong with you? You crazy? And then I realized I wasn't in Vietnam because these aren't my, my regular guys that I'm with. And I was like, whoa, what's wrong? And I just took off into the night, ran into the woods. Ray knew that something was wrong soon after he returned home from Vietnam, but he couldn't quite figure out what it was. Our reporter Emily Petsko talked with Ray about his problems and when he sought help. And to fast forward a little bit, um, when were you first diagnosed with PTSD and what was that process like? I know you said that you weren't diagnosed for a okay, long time. right. When I first went into the VA, did I tell you about being in the hotel when to shoot myself? No. Well, I, I have nightmares like every night, you know, and this has been going on for 10 years and uh, it got to the point, you know, I, I've, I went through 44 different jobs. I didn't know that until I went to Social Security to get my Social Security. They asked me to write down the names of all the places I worked and I started laughing. I, was, I couldn't tell you. She said, I don't worry about it, it'll be in a computer. She was in there for a long time. She came out, she said, Mr. Corker, do you realize you've had 44 different jobs? I said, I know it was a lot. I didn't know it was that much. But yeah, I worked a whole bunch of different places. I just couldn't, couldn't maintain employment because of sleeping habits, alcohol, uh, like that, you know. But I ended up 
I went to a hotel for like three days, uh, just hating myself because I always had bad dreams, but I never ever would see the faces, you know, the guys doing. And I would wake up, I'd be soaking wet, shaking, scared, and mad. I mean, it was like, oh man, I want to kill these bastards, you know. They, they, they should die. They're no good, you know, in my head. I'm thinking this. And this went on for years and years and years. And then finally, bits and pieces of start coming out like I couldn't suppress it no more. And uh, I had got evicted uh, from where I lived for growing pot. You know, and that was my medication. Well, they confiscated all my medication. I didn't have any medication, you know, and I'm evicted and trying to move. And we got all this junk, and we lived in the country then, you know, so I'm burning all this junk, me and my boy. He was real little then. And I got a pitchfork, and I'm rooting through this big pile of shit. We're burning, stuck the pitchfork in, and went to roll it out, and a little baby doll come out, and his arm fell out, and it was burning, and I flashed right back to Vietnam, because we had to do that, you know, after we'd burned the village down, you know, or from shelling it, and shooting it up, and stuff, then we'd have to go and root through it, looking for weapons, and I remember that a couple times, going through there, root through it, burnt debris, and there'd be kids in there, you know, and that that was burning to my Head, you know, and it just never went away. And what what was happening was this shit was coming out that I kept suppressed for so long, you know. And I flashed back like I was in Vietnam when my wife seen there was something going on, but she ran out and grabbed my kid, you know, and took him in a damn house. And she said I was just acting real crazy for a while, and then I come back and it was like, yeah, I I, I gotta get some help or do something. So I went to a hotel and uh, I had this goose gun, big long barrel on it, you know, and I had the barrel in my mouth and I had my toe in the trigger and I was going to blow my head off because I could not deal with it anymore. I had a half a joint. I smoked that and thank God I did, you know, because it got me thinking, you know. I wasn't like this before I went to Vietnam. Because when I came back, my, my parents and my brothers and sisters all told me, they said, you need to go get some help. Because I got letters from Quantico after I got discharged telling me to go to Western Psych to continue on my meds and get treatment. I tore the letter up, which was dumb, I wish I had that. And uh, I ended up, you know, I went into the VA. and. Back in 76, they just had a glass window there and everything was blocked off, you know. I goes in, I knocks on a glass. It was probably two in the morning. This lady comes to the window. She asked me, she says, can I help you? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I'd like to maybe get locked up for a while. I says, I'm having some pretty bizarre thoughts and I'm afraid uh, I might end up hurting somebody or hurting myself. Uh, I need to talk to somebody. Around what year was this roughly? This was in 1976. Okay. January. And uh, she told me, well, what do, you, what do you want us to do? I said, well, I just need to be locked up for a while. She said, first thing you got to understand, this isn't a home for runaway boys. This is what she told me. I'm looking at this woman, you know. I'm thinking, you don't know what you're messing with. And I says, well, what do I have to do? 
She said, well, you'd have to be like court committed or the police bring you in here or do something violent or something like that. And she said, then they'll, they'll admit you. I said, well, how about if I start with you? And I tried to get around that thing. I was going to go in and choke this Next thing I know, two gorillas were on top of me. They put me in a posy, shot me up with Thorazine. My tongue fell out of my mouth. I was like, uh, for 30 days they had me in a padded cell. No record of it. The VA, Highland Drive, got rid of the record. Kept me there for 30 days. Never seen a doctor, nothing. Uh, so I had the letter on that too, the depression. So then what did you do after you left, after your 30 days? Then they finally got me into talk to a doctor because they had to put me on meds. They had to have some kind of excuse. Tom Mellett was his name. He's a good guy too. And uh, me and him, we'd go round and round because he wouldn't know what was going on. I was trying to explain to him. I do dumb Like, I took the album, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. And I brought in and gave it to him. I said, here, Tom. I said, listen to that. Just listen to the words to it. And maybe you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. He, he didn't have no clue. Which if song? Did, or just the whole album? The whole album. Yeah. Yeah. This is back when they had vinyls. You know, it was yeah, 76 yeah. now. <laughs> they had a big picture of pyramid on them with light coming through it. I said, here you go, Tom. I didn't know if there's a certain song that pertained to you. No, situation. the whole album. Okay. Yeah, but there are certain songs that are really good. But I, I didn't know how to explain to them, you know, because when I try to tell people like that, they look at you like you're exaggerating, you're a liar, uh, you're uh, paranoid. I, I, I don't know what it is. They just they just don't believe you, you know. Were you on medication at any point leading up to that? Oh yeah, I took all the medication they had. None of it works. So. They know that now. Mm-hmm. Back then, they just kept trying different drugs. I took every damn drug the VA had. I came over one day. I said, "Look, I know you got some good drugs over here." I said, "Give me some good. <laughs> you want to put me on drugs? Give me something I like." Yeah. <laughs> you know. Have you had therapy at any point? Oh hell yeah! I've been in more therapy than most doctors. <laughs> Ray went to therapy, but found it wasn't helping him. So we started a support group in Pittsburgh for Vietnam veterans to talk to each other about their problems. Ray says that his struggle with PTSD is almost like fighting another person. I have a 19-year-old crazy ex-Vietnam vet trapped in my head. And every once in a while he tries to take control and it's a big battle between me and him of who's going to run the show. Now. When I tell that to the psychiatrist, they diagnose me as paranoid schizophrenic, you know, because I have altered personalities, you know. I didn't alter the personality, you know. The war altered it. The same crazy 19-year-old saved my life so many times that uh, there's no, no way possible that I should still be breathing, you know. In combat, he used to slow everything down and take me out of the sh- and then when everything was over, I'd be back in my body and shaken and scared. But during the bad stuff, he would take me away. You know, I used to meditate a lot. Some people call it transcendental meditation or something where you actually leave your body. There might be some truth in that stuff. I don't know. But I do know when stuff like that would happen, I would literally leave my body. I could see bullets in slow motion. 
everything was in slow motion, you know. And so I learned to depend on him, you know what I'm saying, for survival. That's what got me through the war. And when I came home in civilian life, he still wanted to run the show, you know. And I battle with him all the time, you know, to keep him under wraps because it gets me in a lot of trouble sometimes. <laughs> Ray also finds it hard to be around fireworks or attend rock concerts and still deals with terrible nightmares. Uh, I have a hard time uh, staying in bed at night because I have horrific dreams and I dive out of bed into the wall and I beat myself up every night. I try to run down the halls. I run right into a door because I'm still asleep, you know. And nobody will sleep with me because a couple of times uh, I end up taking it out on my wife and choking her and punching her and kicking her, you know, to where we sleep in shifts. You know what I mean? And she's sleeping, I'm up. If I'm sleeping, she's up. We don't, we don't sleep at the same time, you know, in bed because of that, you know. Yeah, and then I feel really bad when I wake up. It's like, because I'm not aware of what I'm doing when I'm doing it. You know, my wife learned, you know, because she used to try to wake me up when I was having bad dreams. And in my mind, it was like, welcome to my dream. You become a part of it, you know, and I attack her, you know. So I've kind of learned, you know, not to do that. And she kind of learned, don't piss me with me when I'm having a dream. You know, you could become a part of it. How often do you have bad dreams? Every night. Are they all not? Yeah, yeah, they're usually all non-related. And when they're not, they're still related because uh, they're not actual events that took part. They're events that in my mind, uh, I'm now the Vietnamese and people were attacking my house and bullets are flying through my house and I'm trying to get my kids and get them in a the cellar and looking for a gun. I don't have a gun, you know. And I do have guns. I have guns in every room of my house. But for that reason, I've taken all the bullets out of them because I'm afraid if I'm half asleep and I got a gun, I, you know, I don't know what I would do. So I just learned to keep the bullets out of the guns, you know, because at least it would take me, if I ever had a home invader or something like that, I would still have enough time to get to my senses and load the gun. But I don't want it loaded for that reason, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't know what kind of control I have. But PTSD doesn't go away. You just have to learn to live with it and find the, the, the best solution that works for you. I'm sure for everybody it's different, you know, because there's so many different uh, varieties of PTSD, you know, that are caused from different things. It's not just war. You know, we have people running around this country today that suffer from severe PTSD and they never were in a war. You know, they're rape victims, assault victims, uh, tornado victims, flood victims. You know, any kind of tragic event can trigger uh, PTSD emotions, you know. And diagnosing it is a problem. Uh, the VA, like I told you the other day about Dr. Perez's letter to them, what she said is true. Uh, it, 
PTSD has to be studied for a, a prolonged period of time to get the correct diagnosis because uh, symptomatology of PTSD can be misdiagnosed and people think somebody is schizophrenic or hypermanic or manic depressive. Uh, I've had all those diagnoses and they're all incorrect, you know, but they can uh, manifest themselves, uh, you know, into masking themselves as being that type of illness, you know, because they're just uh, the results of the underlying problem, which is PTSD, you know, you know, because it's not a chemical imbalance, like say uh, schizophrenia or uh, bipolar. It's not a chemical imbalance in your head. It's an emotional imbalance in your head. Talking therapy helps uh, reenacting the event, helps being able to forgive yourself and tell other people uh, about your uh, situation helps, but it doesn't fix it. You understand? That's the only way you can actually cope with it. You know, you have to find a way to cope with whatever you're dealing with. And that's the hard part, you know. Now Ray has partnered with a longtime friend, Deborah Gilpin, to run Deborah's School of Dance in Fredericktown. The dance studio offers affordable classes to kids from low-income neighborhoods. Ray said he hopes the joy he brings to kids through dance can help balance out the people he hurt in Vietnam. I hurt a lot of kids in my life in Vietnam. I made kids suffer. You know, uh, I take full responsibility for that. So I think in my own sick way, I try to make compensation now and do penance and try to help kids as much as I can, you know. Uh, and it is, I guess, rewarding and a little bit, you know, fulfilling. When I watch these little ones here, you know, I see them a lot of times they come in here, they're only like three, four years old. And now they're like young ladies. You know, I've watched them all through their life. They're like my kids, you know. I've learned to handle it better. Uh, it hasn't gotten any better, and in some ways it's got progressively worse, you know, because uh, I'm winding my life down, I'm getting to the end of it, and I know I'll be judged one day for the things I did. Uh, so I think now I try to make amends, you know, for all the atrocities, lack of parting. Ray said at the end of the interview that he thought he was too old to fulfill his dreams but he wanted to help others fulfill theirs. The dance studio is his way of doing that. Ray is just one of the many veterans that struggle with PTSD. Around 30% of Vietnam veterans have had PTSD at some point in their lives. In upcoming episodes, we will talk to more veterans about their struggles after returning home. And this has been another podcast from The Observer Reporter. It was written and produced by Katie Roop, and narrated by me. I'm Brad Hunt.